Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting this episode of Market Foolery. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to get matched with quality candidates who make the most sense for your role. Post a job today at LinkedIn.com/fool and get fifty dollars off your first job post. It's Thursday, May sixteenth. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio, first time in a while. Seth Jason, thanks for being here. Good deal. Do I get the LinkedIn deal too, in case I say something really wrong here? Uh, and, possibly. Uh, and yeah. Need to use it. Excellent. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you can use LinkedIn.com/fool if you want to start up your own business. I, you know, I'm assuming our company will do it. Uh, take advantage. You know, get fifty dollars off if uh, you know if we're looking to replace you. Okay. <laughs> But let's let's see if we can get through the episode without you saying something fireable. Okay. <laughs> um, we're going to start with Walmart's earnings, and obviously, anytime a company the size of Walmart is reporting, there are a lot of numbers. You tell me what leaped out to you. What leaped out to me was same store sales growth coming in at nearly three and a half percent. Pretty decent. Pretty decent. I mean, it's a lot not, it's not of huge. Retailers haven't been able to do that. Right. And for in terms of like first quarter comp growth, that's the best in almost a decade for Walmart. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. The online growth was also pretty strong, thirty seven percent ish. I really like what I'm seeing from Walmart. And it's similar to what you've seen from Home Depot, doing a, a very good job of putting together uh, a nice uh, omni-channel uh, retail presence. So you can order on the app. I was just looking at their app. It's a very nice app. It's cleaner than than the Amazon app. Seems easier to find things. You can order stuff. They have stores everywhere. You can go in and pick it up. They will be offering one-day shipping, which they they said in some cases or many cases could be cheaper than two-day because it's going to come straight out of the stores. I mean, so they're they're very intelligently using their store footprint. They've got these uh, pickup lines. If you know, if if traffic weren't horrible here, and I lived somewhere where I was picking things up, I would definitely order groceries from Walmart and just go to that line and pick them up. You've seen the ads; it's a cool ad where Jurassic Park cars or Batmobile are picking things up. They're doing a lot of good things, and it's showing. The earnings were decent. Uh, I think they're they're just going to continue to chip away here, and uh, bricks and mortar. Retail is not dead, especially when when the people running it are smart. Yeah, the TV ads. And by the way, I don't know if listeners can hear the uh, the buzzing in the background. This is the uh, pardon our dust uh, episode of Market Foolery because there's there's construction in our building. It is not even our dust. It's not even our dust. It's the people who are moving in on the third floor. But anyway, um, you mentioned the ads. They've been running those for a while. I, th- I think they're they're both charming um, and effective. But like you, uh, one of my reactions when I see that ad is, ooh, I, I bet that would be nice to do in, a, in an area that isn't quite as crowded with traffic. Yeah, I mean, if, you know, if you're in a, yeah, a rural or a more suburban area where you're going to be driving past the place and it's easy to get in and out, it would definitely, definitely be an option I would consider. Just makes your life a lot easier not to have to walk around picking up. Because let's be honest, we all buy the same 15 things every time we go. You used, uh, I think, an appropriate phrase when it comes to Walmart's e-commerce. You said they're chipping away. And that's, you know, e-commerce sales up 37%. That's a really good quarter. And they've been compiling these for a while now. And when they first started out, uh, you know, it, it was, you know, this kind of number, if not lower, and obviously, they're working off a lower base, yeah. and so you could forgive people for looking at those early e-commerce numbers out of Walmart and saying, "Yeah, this is you know this is fine, I suppose, but it's it's not really meaningful." But the thing is, just like compounding interest works over time in the favor of investors, 
it works the same for racking up e-commerce sales. And you get a virtuous cycle where people are coming into the store maybe because they went online, they checked the app, and then they realized they wanted to come in and look at five different options for something else. So, by, by giving them the entire ecosystem what they might need, either online, pickup, in-store, it's a really smart way to capitalize on money that's already been spent. The stores are there. Engage people where they are and use that store base intelligently. Something poor Sears, <laughs> poor Sears could have learned. They could have been ahead of Walmart on this had they, you know, figured this out 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, and you know what? One of the key differences is there is Walmart has Doug McMillan in the corner office, and forever Sears has had Eddie Lampert. has had a hedge fund guy running it. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's something to be said for expertise in a field. Yes, right. Instead yes. of just the field of, of being rich. And a nice reminder that expertise in one field does not guarantee expertise in another field. Yes. Don't tell anyone I used to be an art historian. <laughs> we'll, we'll just keep that between us art. and the dozens of listeners. Um, so, from time to time, we use the word optionality when mm-hmm. we're talking about businesses. It's something we like to see, because if businesses can pull that off well, that bodes well for them, and it certainly bodes well for their shareholders. Mm-hmm. Optionality is clearly something that Elon Musk is interested in when you look at the Tesla business and the solar business and the SpaceX Don't business. Don't forget the digging holes in the ground to run a single car through them in a time business. There's that. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm having trouble understanding what they're trying to attempt at SpaceX, which is. Um, SpaceX is getting ready to send 60 satellites into space, and I believe, if I have the timing correctly, they were attempting to, do, they were planning to do it too yesterday. Wind, too windy yesterday. And it was too windy. Mm-hmm. So that's going to happen probably in the next 48 hours or so, yeah. assuming the conditions work. Um, but they're sending these satellites, uh, satellites up to, to set up a network with the goal of providing high-speed internet all around the world. All around the world. And not only does that sound complicated, it also sounds like something that's not going to be free. And they're going to look to make money off of. It's, it's this, a this really seems... cool technical challenge. I love the idea. Now, I, I own shares in Iridium, which uh, is is a, you could argue a similar business, but a lot in this this business is complex. And Iridium, of course, a very famous bankruptcy for sending up sat phone satellites and then not being able to find enough subscribers. Iridium is a business now that has newer satellites up, still does the sat phone and tracking business, uh, and does a lot better. But this is all about wavelengths and a lot. So Iridium has some electromagnetic spectrum, which works very well for their use case, and this stuff is scarce. Uh, um, SpaceX's satellites will be using what is kind of a commodity wavelength, Ka or Ku band, which is the, the stuff you get with the airplane uh, Wi-Fi, which right now kind of gives you an idea of expectations that some people might have. This is uh, a wavelength that a lot of businesses have been able to access, and it's subject to something called rain fade. The humidity in the atmosphere can make this difficult. And so, as a result, these satellites need to be pretty low, and that is SpaceX's plan. But uh, because they're going to be so low, they have to have hundreds. Actually, uh, more than 10,000 is their grand plan. And the way it'll work is you'll beam up information from a ground station, and then the satellites will pass it to each other via lasers. Um, And then it's not like you'll be able to just have a phone, because it would have to be even bigger than uh, Gordon Gecko's original (laughs) cell phone. It would have to be the one his dad carried. You need a, a large antenna that can follow these satellites 
as they move across uh, the sky. Um, these satellites are going to be visible wherever they are for less than you know, like five to seven minutes at a time. So this is not an easy technical challenge. If they can pull it off, the question is then, what kind of money can you make? Other companies have tried to do this. They don't make any money. They end up being sold to somebody and being a portion of a larger satellite operator's business. The Wall Street Journal a while ago got a hold of a presentation that said SpaceX was, and Elon Musk even said this yesterday, I think, they want to fund their Mars aspirations with this Wi-Fi sale, which doesn't make a lot of sense because they said we're going to get 40 million subscribers and we'll make 30 billion in revenue a year. Well, that's 65 bucks a month-ish. Kind of hard to imagine when a company like Cox doesn't have. Everyone knows Cox is an internet provider. They don't. They don't do those kind of numbers. And the other thing is that they originally pitched this as a way to connect people in Africa or other places where they don't have wife or they don't have internet. But people in those places can't afford these kind of prices. So I really wonder what is the point of this besides a technology demonstration. And I'm pretty sure it is not going to fund. A Mars mission, but yeah, it's it, it's one of those things where I was reading a couple articles this morning, and I just thought to myself, "This sounds good in theory, Thanks. but in execution." And and this comes back to something I've said about Elon Musk before. I don't own shares of Tesla, but if I did own shares of Tesla, I would want him <laughs> spending as much of his time on that as Rather possible, than trying to figure out how to get. 12,000 satellites to laser beam information right. to each other at high speeds. Yeah. The other fun thing about this is I read that if they got this full constellation up within, you know, 6 years or something as these things start decaying, that you might have like 40 of them a month falling out of the sky and only 95% burning up in the atmosphere. So that, you know, there'd be decent odds over a 6-year period that somebody's house or cranium is uh, affected by a piece of SpaceX uh, internet satellite. Are you old enough to remember Skylab? Yeah. Skylab falling. I believe yeah. that was 1979, and yeah. just how the the, the, the pan the, panic. The, the relative panic of oh my gosh, this thing is going to fall to the ground. Yeah, but that's a government satellite. If that hits you, it's it's an, an affront. But if you're killed by a piece of Elon Musk space junk, then your your family has something to brag about. Well, and presumably it's actionable. <laughs> uh, quick shout out to LinkedIn. Uh, when it's time to make a hire for your small business, you want to find the best person. Of course, you want to find the best person for the job. And the odds are that that person is on LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to get matched with quality candidates who make the most sense for your role. People come to LinkedIn every day to learn and advance their careers. So LinkedIn understands what they're interested in, what they're looking for. That means when you use LinkedIn Jobs to hire someone, your matches. Are based on more than just a resume. The matches are based on skills and background. Of course, they're going to be based on skills and background, but you also learn about people's interests, their activities, their passions. And you can post a job today at LinkedIn.com slash fool and get $50 off your first job post. That's LinkedIn.com slash fool. Terms and conditions apply. Berkshire Hathaway has filed their 13F. So we get some more color on their holdings. Uh, they cut their stake in Southwest uh, Airlines. Uh, they they cut their stake in Philip sixty six by half. Um, and not big believers in that gasoline future. It sounds like well they got enough BYD right the battery and car maker in China. Yeah, yeah. Not as much. Not as much in the Philip sixty six. Um, and and we knew going into the annual meeting that they had bought shares of Amazon. Um, now we know how much they bought and it's. 
to the tune of roughly $900 million worth of stock. Um, so, not very much. Yeah, I was going to say, like it, it was one of those things where my gut in the moment reaction was, wow. And then I thought, oh, wait. It's, it's, <laughs> in, these, two, it's in, these two companies. It's They're these both two companies. huge. And the, and the scale of Amazon, in the scale of Berkshire Hathaway, it's like, but also, it, it would not surprise me if this was. Just the opening stake, and whether it was Ted or Todd, I'm not sure one of them which one of them bought it because Buffett was very quick to point out before the annual meeting, hey, it was one of the guys down yeah. the hall. It wasn't me. It wouldn't surprise me. What if, if it was Charlie? What if what if that whole thing that is just an act, and Charlie's not a grump? Well, I, I, how He's great would it be internet if if Charlie was still the grump that he is, but behind his back, he or behind Warren's back, he orchestrated this. That would be awesome. It it's, would be. Uh, uh, it's not. A silly move. I don't think I bought Amazon about the same time, uh, mostly uh, on the basis of the expanding cloud business. Um, not actually that big a fan of the retail business either as a user, and of course I use it as much as everybody else. But I'm Thank increasingly you. dissatisfied with it. But the cloud business is rolling along, and I often uh, this is something to learn with old age. Sometimes you buy a stock even if you're not a fan of the service or the company. If it seems like everybody else is doing it, well, you. Do you want to fight against the tide? Not me. It's a fair point, and it's you know um, to go back to Walmart for a second. We had uh, Scott Galloway on uh, Motley Fool Money last week, and um, you know he made the point about Walmart uh, that it's one of the few legacy businesses that can really uh, compete against sort of the the huge tech companies, including Amazon. But I think that. You know, you look at shares of Walmart up today and close to an all-time high. You look at everything Amazon has going on. It wouldn't be the worst idea in the world to just buy a couple of shares of each. Yeah, yeah, and I actually I wonder if in the future we won't see Amazon as well as Google sort of busted apart because they're just becoming so powerful in their in their respective uh, markets. And I don't even think that that would necessarily be a bad thing. I can see a value case for separating, you know, a cloud business out. Well, maybe not in the case of Amazon. It might be subsidizing the retail. But for instance, at Google, where you've got search and then you've got a cloud business. But how many people want to use the cloud business if they're worried that Google is going to, you know, compete with them on their own turf, uh, you know, informing things through the search business? So um, these businesses are definitely, I think, going to evolve in the future and maybe be split apart. But uh, it's encouraging to me to see that you know an old huge business like Walmart can actually uh, get with it and move with the times um, and and improve itself. Now that said, there's still the uh, the headwind of tariffs. A lot of stuff. They sell at Walmart comes from China and is going to become more expensive. And management just said, "Yeah, that we're going to have to raise prices," which you know puts the lie to the idea that uh, the Chinese are are paying these tariffs. They're not. We are. Uh, whenever we shop and when you shop at Walmart, you're you're going to be paying more. Yeah, I, it seems like if not every quarter, uh, at least every other quarter, there is a buzzword or phrase that we expect is going to pop up in multiple conference calls across a variety of industries. And there's no question that this earnings season, tariffs. You don't want to you don't want to pull the word tariffs in the conference call drinking game. Yeah, because you're you're going to be going to the hospital. Yeah, you're going to be you're going to be tipsy. And uh, yeah, that's what's going to happen. We're all we're all going to end up paying more if the tariff regime uh, continues, and so expect to see those costs passed on to consumers uh, 
companies can only absorb so much of that before shareholders revolt. Seth Jason, thanks for being here. Mm-hmm. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Fuller. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.